Go with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. Continue our study this morning. Call of the message, saints and faithful. Saints and faithful. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 2. Ephesians 1, verse 1 and 2. It's on the screen. It's on your outline as well. Let's read it. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, today we ask that you speak to us. And I ask God today that you anoint my lips, that I may say those things that need to be said. I pray that you touch my mind, that I can think clearly. And touch my lips, that I can speak precisely what needs to be said. And I pray today for open ears and open hearts to receive the word of the Lord. And God, today for everything that's accomplished, we'll give you praise and glory and honor for it all. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And amen. What words usually come to mind to describe a person that has placed their faith in Jesus Christ? We usually think of words such as Christian, believer, child of God, or born again. We may even use the words disciple or follower of Christ. But here in our text, Paul, as he writes to the church of Ephesus, he uses words that probably doesn't immediately come to our minds to describe a person who has placed their faith in Jesus. Here in our passage, as he writes to the church of Ephesus, Paul calls these believers his saints, and he calls them faithful. I believe those are two great words to describe those of us that have trusted in Jesus, saints and faithful. And so this morning, that's what we're going to talk about, those two terms, saints and being faithful and how they apply to us. So point number one I want to share with you today is this, all Christians are saints. All Christians are saints. The word saints in the Greek is the word hagios. It literally means holy ones. Saints or holy ones are those who are set apart for God's use. But when we think of saints, we often picture statues in cathedrals, stained glass, miraculous appearances, and mystical encounters. We get the idea of a select few people or a special class of people that have done great works of God, people who have laid down their life, people who have done miraculous things. Or we think of someone as a saint because they have a high moral standard or a high standard of holiness or godliness. That's how we think of people being saints. Or if you think of a saint, you often think of the Catholic Church because they call people saints. But the Bible tells us that a saint is anyone who is a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ who has been set apart to live for God. Paul tells us here in Ephesians and elsewhere, Colossians 1-2, Philippians 4-21, 1 Corinthians 1-2, that all believers are saints. 
You see, Paul isn't writing to a few of the spiritual elite within the congregation. He's not just talking to pastors that have been called to preach. He's not just talking to evangelists or missionaries, but young, old, male, female, anybody that has trusted in Christ and letting them know that they are saints because they have trusted in Jesus. And so you know what that means this morning? That if you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a saint. It means this morning that because I put my faith in Christ, Brother Paul, I am a saint. And I mentioned this Wednesday night when I talked about that I was going to be sharing this, that you may be thinking, Pastor, you're maybe a lot of things, but you're not a saint. But according to the Word of God, I am a saint. According to the Word of God, if you've trusted in Jesus, you are a saint. I once was a sinner, but now I'm a saint, Brother Tommy. Saint Scotty. Got a nice ring to it, don't it? Saint Tommy. <laughs> kind of humorous. But that's Bible. In fact, can I tell you something? Jesus never called any of his people Christians. In fact, when the believers were called Christians, it wasn't a term of endearment, it was derogatory. In fact, if my mind serves me correctly, there's only one time in the Bible that they're ever called Christians. And it was derogatory. It was meant to put them down. But over and over and over again in Scripture, you'll find the child child of God, the people of God, referred to as saints. Because that's what we are. Now here's the thing. We don't think of ourselves as saints. Most of us wouldn't call ourselves a saint. But that is a common way the Bible identifies us as God's people. In fact, this is a favorite thing that Paul uses in the book of Ephesians. In fact, he refers to the people he's writing to as saints nine times in this letter. Here in verse 1, also in verse 15, and in verse 18 of chapter 1. Chapter 2, verse 19. Chapter 3, verse 8. Chapter 3, verse 18. Chapter 4, verse 12. Chapter 5, verse 3. And chapter 6, verse 18. He calls them saints. You see, the thing is, you may never call yourself a saint, and I wouldn't go around talking about I'm a saint out there in the world, but God calls us saints. And here's the reason why I think we have a problem referring to ourselves as saints. It's because we know we don't always behave like saints. Right? But the truth is, all Christians, all believers are saints, even if we don't always act like saints. You see, Paul called the believers in Corinth saints. But he had to get on to them because they were acting carnal. They were acting fleshly. They were saints, but still acting like people of the world. Sounds like an oxymoron, moron, doesn't it? A carnal Christian, worldly Christian, a saint, but still at times living like they were in sin. And isn't that how we look sometimes? You see, by calling us saints, Paul is showing us one of the blessings that we have in Christ. 
You see, by calling us saints, Paul is emphasizing our dedication to God and not so much our personal holiness. In other words, being a saint is more about position than our purity. Now this doesn't mean purity isn't important. But our purity isn't what makes you a saint. Let me say that again. Purity isn't what makes you a saint. You're a saint because you're in Christ. And that is another phrase that Paul likes to use over and over again in Ephesians. I believe some 20 times he talks about being in Christ. And that's what makes us saints. Let me put it another way. Being a saint is not a reflection of your personal holiness, but of the fact that a holy God has set you apart for His purposes. But let me stress this. When you recognize you are a saint, you'll start acting like a saint. You see, when you understand that you belong to God, that God has marked you as His own, that He has purchased you and you are His property, you'll start living like you belong to Him. And that's why some people struggle with sin because they don't know who they are in Christ. But when you understand that you are a saint and a child of God, you'll start acting like, I'm a saint. That's why some people can't get victory over sin because they they, they still believe I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. But if you see that you're a saint that's been saved and washed and purified and cleansed, you can start shedding some of those things you struggle with. When you understand who you are in Him, you can have victory. And you can overcome things. That's why you've got to recognize who you are in Christ. You see, purity grows and develops out of understanding who you are in Him. You see, it's not about trying harder. It's about understanding who you are in Christ. Because here's the thing, on your own, you'll never defeat the flesh. On your own, you'll never develop the fruit of the Spirit. You've got to understand who you are in Him. Because here's the thing, when you recognize who you are in Him, rest in Him, all of a sudden God begins to work in your life. Great things begin to happen. You see, God wants our practice to correspond with our position. In other words, as a saint, He wants us to be saintly. He wants us to live a consecrated holy life. He wants us to live a life that's all for His glory and all for His honor. But it's understanding who you are in Him. Listen to Romans 12, 1, 2. I urge you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. In other words, give yourself to Him. It's about surrender. A living sacrifice. And notice that it's a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. You you want to understand how to worship God? Give yourself to Him. You surrender to Him. And then it says, do not be conformed to this world. Don't let this world squeeze you into its mold. Don't let this world uh, conform you into its ways and its values. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God wants holiness. But it comes from understanding that you are a saint. That God has marked you as His own. 1 Peter 1, 14-16 As obedient children. Notice that. He calls you as obedient children. Children of who? Children of God. Your sons and daughters. And that means you now take on the nature of the one who is your father. You understand that when you got saved, you got a new nature? 
How many has heard of the phrase before, like father, like son? And that's why he says here, as obedient children. Do not conduct yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. He says, don't act like you used to. But as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Listen, God wants holiness. You see, if God calls us saints, He wants us to live like saints. This doesn't mean we always will be. Doesn't mean that we'll be perfect. Doesn't mean that we'll be sinless. But we should be striving for holiness in our daily living. But it comes from recognizing that I'm in Christ. And Christ is in me. And He'll help me to live as a saint. He'll help me to live in this world and live in a way that pleases and honors Him. Amen? But secondly, Christians should be faithful saints. Christians should be faithful saints. Paul is also writing not only to the saints in Ephesus, but to those who are faithful in Christ Jesus. The word faithful means believing ones, but it also has the idea of being reliable, trustworthy, and devoted. The church in Ephesus was one of the strongest and most mature churches that existed at that time. So Paul, he's praising them for their faithfulness. He's saying not only are you saints because you believed in Jesus, but even better, better you are faithful saints. Well, let me ask you a question. Does this mean that there can be saints who aren't as faithful as others? Can there be saints who don't act like saints? Can there be saints who fail to live in complete obedience to God, but who are nevertheless still saints? Absolutely. The church is full of people like that. And the Bible is full of examples of people like that who were saints, but weren't always faithful. Let me mention some. Lot. The Bible says he was a righteous man, but he vexed his soul daily. He lived in Sodom. And the angels had to literally, literally grab his hand and drag him and his family out of Sodom before they destroyed it. If you had looked at Lot's life, you wouldn't have thought he was a righteous man unless the Bible told you. What always faithful was he? In fact, the Bible says he sat in the gate of Sodom. Meaning he had a high position in Sodom. In fact, when the angels came to destroy the city, he offered up his daughters to the men for them to rape. Doesn't sound like a very godly man, does it? The Bible says he was righteous. How about this man, Samson? He liked to sleep with women. Forget his Nazarite vow. He wasn't supposed to touch any dead thing. Well, he broke that. Wasn't supposed to cut his hair. Well, that's, that got him in trouble. Wasn't supposed to drink wine. He threw his Nazarite vow out the window. And he ended up bound and blind. And he ended up praying, God help me destroy these Philistines, but can I tell you, it was more prayer of revenge than anything else. But yet, read Hebrews 11, and guess whose name's mentioned there? Samson. The Hall of Faith. And Samson's name is 
mentioned it, and I believe that we get to heaven, we're going to find Samson. But very little faithfulness from him. Let me just say this. Lot and Samson ought to be an encouragement to you. If those guys can make it, <laughs> and bless God, we ought to be able to make it. But listen, I, I, I think God wants more from us than what Lot and Samson did. Because Samson is a story of what should have been. Because the Bible says he began to deliver the people from the Philistines. In other words, it's as though he started something, but he never quite really did all that he was supposed to do. And if we aren't careful, we may begin to do what God wants us to do and never quite accomplish it all if we don't remain faithful. Because God wants us to be faithful. The believers in Corinth, they weren't living faithfully. As I said, they were living carnally. And in fact, Paul wanted to give them meat, but he said, I can't give you meat, I've got to give you milk. Because you're carnal. You're worldly. You're living like people that are lost. And yet he called them saints, called them believers. I know this don't make sense to us because we grew up hearing holiness preaching about being sanctified. That way when you read the Bible, you hear about people that are saved on the way to heaven and yet sometimes they're living like lost people. And yet the Bible says they're on the way to heaven. And here's the thing, let me say this, before we turn our nose up at them, you have to look at your own life sometimes because here's the thing, if you've trusted in Jesus, you're on your way to heaven, but here's the thing, you don't always live like you're on your way to heaven. I know I don't. Because here's the thing, since God saved me, Curse words hadn't come out my mouth, but I can't promise you that they haven't always popped up in my mind. Can I get a witness from somebody? And I've had to clamp my mouth shut. Can I just be, that, just be transparent with you? Listen, I know God's called me to preach, but listen, there's times I, I, I just had to clamp my mouth shut because, listen, this flesh, even though it's been crucified with Christ, it's still very much alive. And listen, when somebody pulls in on you or somebody wants to give you the middle finger and, and do bad things to you, listen, you've got to shut your mouth sometimes and keep it closed because those old words that you used to say want to just come to your mind. Still very much alive. Oh, some of you can't handle this, the preacher being real, but let's just be honest. You do it too. You might not say it, but it comes up there. It's that flesh. I can promise you before God saved me, I had a filthy mouth. And I thank God that I hadn't used one since He saved me. But if this flesh had the run of me, some people would have it. But the saints in Ephesus, they were faithful. And how did they become faithful? I can promise you it wasn't by accident. It wasn't by mistake. Hear what I'm about to say. Being, being a faithful saint isn't something that just happens to you. You won't become a faithful saint simply by attending church on Sunday. 
Showing up here one time a week isn't going to make you a faithful saint. Faithful saints are made by discipline and hard work. Discipline in knowing who you are in Christ and what you are supposed to do. Discipline in reading, studying, and applying God's Word to your life. Faithfulness comes from the discipline of prayer, Bible reading, church attendance, and living a holy life. Faithfulness comes as we work out what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. You see, becoming a saint's easy. All you have to do is believe in Jesus for eternal life. That's the easy part. However, becoming a faithful saint is the most challenging thing you'll ever do in life. Satan will fight you to keep you from being a faithful saint, uh, a faithful follower. The world will fight you to keep you from being faithful. Your flesh will fight you to keep you from being faithful. You see, every day of your life, you're going to have to decide if you're going to be faithful. Every day of your life, you're going to have to wake up and make a decision. Am I going to be faithful today? You want to know why we've been married for 19 years now? You've got to look at it make sure I get it right. I've been in doghouse. Because I've decided to be faithful. Not just love, but it's commitment and deciding to be faithful. Because here's the thing, at any time, if I wanted to, I can make a decision not to be. It's the same way in your walk with God. You've got to make a decision. I'm going to be faithful. I understand the keeping power of the Holy Spirit and God working in us. But the enemy is going to do everything he can to try to get you to fail. And with the help of the Holy Ghost, you've got to determine, I'm going to fight. Be faithful. Like Paul said, I fought a good fight. And I kept the faith. Because here's the thing, you can either please God, please yourself. And here's what I've come to understand, Brother Tommy. Faithfulness today doesn't guarantee faithfulness tomorrow. Because listen to this passage, Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. This is the church of Ephesus. He says, Through the angel of the church of Ephesus write, He who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, say these things. I know your works, your labor, and your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles, but are not, but have found them to be liars. You have endured and have been patient, and for my name's sake have labored, and have not grown weary. But I have something against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first, Remember therefore from where you've fallen. Repent and do the work you did at first or else I will come to you quickly and remove your candlestick from its place unless you repent. But this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says through the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give permission to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So Jesus praises them and commends them for their work, their standfastness. He praises them for putting up with false teachers and for their sacrifice. But there in verse 4, you'll notice that he has a complaint against them. He says, you've abandoned the love you had at first. He tells them, you don't love me like you used to. They're still busy. They're still sacrificing. They're still laboring. They're still toiling. But it wasn't motivated by love for Him. On the outside, 
it appeared they were still being faithful. But without love, it's not faithfulness, it's just obligation. You see, it's only as we love Him fervently that we can serve Him faithfully. Hear me today, going through the motions, going through the routine, isn't faithfulness if it's not motivated by love. Let me say it again. If you simply go through the motions and go through the routine, if it's not motivated by love for Him, it's not faithfulness, it's obligation. And God don't want you serving Him out of obligation. That's not real service. We're to serve Him because we love Him. We should serve Him out of wanting to know Him better. And there should be a joy in serving Him. In other words, your Bible reading shouldn't be because you have to, but because you get to and you love to. And there should be joy in your Bible reading. We shouldn't be at church just because it's Sunday. This is the place we ought to be. We should be at church because we love being here. And we want to worship Him. Not because of some religious obligation we've got to feel. It doesn't know, it, listen, it, it, it's no good for you to be here if this is just, I'm here because I've got to be here. Check off the box this week. You get nothing from it. And God don't get anything from it. If you've walked in here today and, and, and you've sang the songs, but your mind was trying to figure out how you're going to pay bills and, and, and fix things this week, you didn't receive anything. And God didn't receive anything. And that's not faithfulness. That's just obligation. I guess I'll just show up this week. Nobody gets anything from that. You don't, God does it. But yet so many times we think being here every week is faithfulness. If it's not out of love for Him, it's not faithfulness. You see, it all comes down to your heart. Faithfulness is being in love with God. See, when you love Him, you'll be faithful. See, I love her. I'm faithful. If I were to look at her and say, the only reason I'm with you is because we stood in front of a church and we took some vows, I said, you, how long do you think it's going to last? And I'm not here because I love you. You think she's going to hang around? No. How do you think God feels if we just show, show up every week? Okay, God, I'm here again. God, aren't you proud of me this week? I'm here. I'm here. God wants faithfulness out of a heart that loves Him. That we do what we do because we love Him and it's motivated by wanting to, to please Him and honor Him. Not because we have to. That when you go to prayer, that you, you, you pray because you want to pray. You open up this book because you want to open up this book so you can spend time hearing from Him. Not just like, well, I've got to read this week because the pastor says we need to read 1 John this week. I'm going to check off my box. You'd be better off to close your Bible and not read. And I understand that sometimes it does take a little bit of discipline. I mean, the, 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 
disciple, discipline, they, they go together. But it all stems from a heart of loving Him. Now let me say this, on a scale of 1 to 10 this morning, how would you rate your faithfulness to God in comparison to your faithfulness to everything else in your life? Are you as faithful to Him as you are to your spouse? Paying your bills? Your grandkids? Your children? I'm afraid sometimes we just want to date God and not really be devoted to Him. We want God to be that genie in a bottle where we can rub the lamp and get our free wishes. Listen, God doesn't want a date. God wants to be everything. You know the church is referred to as His bride? He wants a relationship. And He wants to take over. Well, He's the center of everything. And if we be honest this morning, we're not as faithful to Him as we are to everything else in life. Family often comes before Him, doesn't it, sometimes? We chase after this and we chase after that and then we'll squeeze God in if we've got a little bit of time left. And then wonder why we worry so much. And then wonder why we're so overcome with fear. We don't have time for Him. We'll snack on His Word every now and then instead of really feasting on it. Faithfulness to God will prove to be your greatest and most difficult achievement. Again, you're going to have to fight every day of your life to be faithful. We've all got daily pressures. We've all got daily challenges. You're going to have to fight to be faithful. You're going to have to choose please God or please self. Let me give you this third thing and we'll, we'll close. Christians can be saints and faithful no matter their surroundings. Paul wrote to the saints, to the faithful in Ephesus. What was Ephesus? Ephesus was Satan's very headquarters in Satan, Asia Minor. It was a city known for idolatry, superstition, wealth, luxury, springing from commerce and moral corruption. Ephesus was known for the worship of Diana. Diana, or Artemis, was also another name, was the goddess who had a grotesque head and many breasts and focused on the sensual pleasure of the flesh. The worshiping pilgrims found their satisfaction in prostitution with a host of priestesses who promoted the cult of the goddess. In other words, they had temple prostitutes that you could go there and fulfill your sexual desires as they worshipped Diana. In fact, the temple of Diana was one of the many wonders of the world of that day. But in the midst of this pagan city, there was this group of faithful saints that didn't give in to the culture of their day. Paul said they were saints and they were faithful. 
Even though they were in Ephesus, they were faithful. They were saints. They were holy ones. Even though they were surrounded by idolatry and paganism, they lived separated lives. They lived differently than the culture. Hear me this morning. Even though we're in this world that's filled with evil and corruption, we can be faithful and we can live holy. This world doesn't have to influence us. This world doesn't have to change us. We can be a separated people. We can be a holy people. We can be a faithful people. In fact, the Bible tells us to be separate from the world. Look at 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14 through 17. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion has light with darkness? What agreement has Christ with Belial? Or what part has he who believes with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live in them and walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. God wants us to be separate. God wants us to be different. You see, just because we're in the world doesn't mean we have to be of the world. God wants us to be separate. You see, we can be different because we are in Christ and Christ is in us. And so no matter our surroundings, no matter where we find ourselves in, if you, if you were to work a public job and people around you are cussing and they're using all kinds of filthy language, you can still be different. Because Jesus is in you. The Holy Spirit of God dwells within us. And we can stand out and we can be different. Amen. That was the church of Ephesus. They were saints in Ephesus. They were holy people in a pagan place. And they were faithful. That's the power of Christ living inside of us. Let me stress it again. It's not our power. It's not our ability. It's Christ living in me, the hope of glory. Amen? It's about Him and understanding who you are in Him that gives you the strength to live the life that pleases and honors Him. So in closing this morning, I want you to look at verse 2. He greets them, and that was a common greeting of the day. He said, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just say, Paul was a grace preacher. And as best I can, I try to lift up the grace of God and preach the grace of God because without grace, we would be nothing. Without grace, we would have nothing. In fact, grace is a common theme in the book of Ephesians. In fact, he talks about grace 12 times in this letter. But notice how Paul says, Grace be to you in peace. The Holy Spirit's very careful in the Word of God to place every word in its right position. I believe when you read the Word of God, you need to take notice of every word because the Holy Spirit inspired every word in the Word of God. And He put them exactly where they need to be. Paul didn't say peace and grace because apart from the grace of God, there is no peace with God. So he said grace be to you and peace. You've got to have grace before you have peace. And so when we become the recipient of God's grace, we'll have peace that passes all understanding because apart from God's grace, there is no peace but Paul. And then he says, from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the, not just giving tribute to the deity of the Son who is co-equal with God the Father. It's letting us know that the grace and peace we experience, it comes from God the Father and Jesus Christ. He's letting us know that all the spiritual riches and all the spiritual blessings we have, it comes from God and God alone. That everything we receive, it comes to us from Christ. In fact, He's letting us know that if we're going to be saints and if we're going to be faithful, it's going to come from God the Father and the Lord Jesus 
Christ. In other words, this is a book, as we study the book of Ephesians, that exalts Jesus and exalts the riches of God and the blessings we have in Him. If we're going to be saints and if we're going to be faithful, it's going to be through Christ. Because everything flows from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you stand with me?